Julie Andrews. What's that? So, so Pietro and Rosa have been listening to a science podcast from the States called Brains On, which is pretty good. Brains On. Brains On. Brains On. And um, in the middle of it, there's this random ad inserted, and it's, I'm Julie Andrews. And the kids crack up every time they hear it. And it's an advert for... Is this your way of telling us that we've got a sponsor? Well, it's... A, God, no, I wish. It's... it's um. It's an ad for her podcast where she and her daughter read children's books. And I was I was thinking today about how it's there's something intrinsically hilarious about it, but also just the fact that so embedded in me is my hostility towards English received pronunciation that it just sets my teeth on edge. And and I it just it, it, it that in turn got me thinking about Downton Abbey, and yeah. I was thinking about all the posh accents in Downton Abbey and how in the middle of season two, I was just waiting for the Dublin mechanic guy to just say, "Oh, I just want to show you something out in the garage," and take them all out and shoot them dead, and I would have been fine. <laughs> I would have been like, do, 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 do. "That would have been great." End of end of Downton Abbey. Family slaughtered yeah. by Irish rebel, disaffected Irish rebel. I would have been fine with it, you know. It happens to me every now and again with Stephen Fry. I, I like, I really like Stephen Fry. Yeah. But then, if I'm listening to something that's maybe him just reading, or it's uh, like the Harry Potter. I know how, when I when I listen to some of the Harry mm. Potter book, I'm like, yeah. And then I'm like, Get, what? I'm not. And then I have this like the internal conflict. Like I like you, but then I remember the accent listen. and everything that's associated. I know, and with. and. Stephen Fry in our house is so he narrated a collection of Paddington books mm-hmm. and I used to love Paddington um, when it was a TV that that weird little cardboard hand-drawn cartoon that used to be on TV narrated by Michael Hordern another very posh old English actor from way back in the 70s but these readings have been played so much in our house and in our car Add nauseam that the kids can actually recite whole passages of Paddington from memory and they do it just to annoy me and (laughs) what's really of course Paddington is of its time as well so I'm listening to it with the sensibility that I have now and I'm listening to it and I'm hearing all sorts of overtones and of course there's like you always have to there's no getting away from the fact that Mrs. Bird works for them and lives with them um, she's like the fella in the Rocks of Bonn, you know. <laughs> she's she's a tied wage slave, you know. Um, you know, even though she gets to come in and and opinionate and so on. And then there's the whole kind of you know, there's just this English reactionary thing about it. I don't want to turn into like this to be an English bashing conversation because I love England and I love English culture, as I know you do actually. And we've talked about that, but but that aspect of it, the the suspicion of foreigners, the just the kind of imperial hangover is is all through yeah. that, you know. So um, was was um I can't because I don't. It's not. I wouldn't say it's a phobia, but I just hated all bear shows when I was a kid. Like I just, I just like probably one of the first things I knew I didn't like. I, bear I didn't shows. like Paddington. Didn't like Winnie. Didn't like you name yeah. it. I had a bear as one of the main characters. I was at yeah. But I can't remember. Was was Winnie the Pooh? 
That's English too, isn't it? Uh, well, A. A. Milne was Scottish, really, but it, it is very yeah. It is very public school, uh, private school in in the way that it's it's written. You know, it's um, yeah. Give me the fast show instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or uh, I've actually like you're talking about books. It was actually one of the things I I wanted to. Uh, well, re- recently I have listened to audiobooks for the first time, and it's because I was given a book. Uh, Christmas that I really wanted to I think I would really enjoy but I know my personality and I just know I wouldn't get through it so it's a book called Sapiens have you heard of it uh, yes and like I, I know that that subject matter is something that I'm really what, what is I, this subject I, I loved well, it's about humans and human development from from day dot through to to now and what and kind of how we evolved in 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 certain senses particularly socially and what those social evolutions, um, what the payoff for our, um, what we are now, like the, the stepping stones from everything from being able to make up a story through to being able to use tools. It's, it it kind of looks at our movement through history, but from a a, a social a, a, with a social view i think of how the human evolved and he, like, i'm only halfway through listening to it but i was always really kind of at at odds with listening to an audiobook because i'm really uh, reading a book does it that, you know what i'm going to say like there's something about the tangible reading it getting into it you're picturing the characters in your mind it's your words your voice so this was when i took the, the jump and i went you know what this is a it's it's a non-fiction Maybe it might feel like a, an extended podcast. And I'd have to say, I look forward to going to bed each night. So I go to bed, I, I stick in my headphones, I put on half an hour of the book on a timer. And like, I am fascinated. It's like listening to a brilliant podcast, except instead of like in a normal hour or two, you know you've got 30 hours of one subject. So you've got one, like as a blind boy would say, like one hot take, except it's not a hot take it's well researched and it it goes i don't know I, for me I, I it's a bit of a revelation i kind of i'm a bit disappointed that i haven't got onto this a little bit earlier mm-hmm. it's a great way for me i don't think i would i tried a few of um i dipped into one or two books that i read before so i listened to a bit of lonesome dove and um there's one or two things i stuck my head into and i just kind of went ah, fiction i can't but i'll tell you this maybe there's something in the non-fiction audiobook i'm going to try a biography next i think oh, yeah you should go for um lyndon johnson the the uh, robert caro's biographies of lyndon johnson which are like um they're not finished yet and and i think he's on the fourth volume and they're each of them is like 2000 pages long they're gigantic but i read one of it's a lot of sleep oh well i read one of them um when i was traveling in south america um i found it in this hostel and i swapped it for a book that i had and i thought oh you know this is probably the only time i'm ever going to read this and it was totally brilliant and it was this really detailed description of um his his life before he uh before he uh campaigns to to uh, be a congressman and um he basically steals an election at the end of it um, there's a lot of stuffed ballot boxes and it's one of the, the really famous um, stolen elections in American history and it was so brilliant um, anyway that's the kind of stuff you should listen to on you know Although, thanks Tom I'm not going to listen to that now because you told me to listen well, to it 
Way to, way, way, to, way to ruin a book. The way to get me to listen to it is to never mention it to me. Right. Well, then, um, yeah. I'm much like you yeah, are. Yeah, you are, actually. You sense. are, actually. You know. Um, Your wife has had me told many times, don't recommend a book to Dom. He won't read it. <laughs> and that's proved, that's proved largely true, apart from the one about the disaffected academic. What was, yes. What's that one? The Richard, um, uh, John Williams, is it? Um, yeah, um, The Border, is it? No, not The Border. Um very good. It was an amazing book. Yeah, I can't remember. I'm sure our listeners are loving us both forgetting the names. Of I know books. it's 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 compelling listening, compelling. <laughs> Today's guest is part two of the amazing chat we had with James Keane uh, two weeks ago now. Uh, last week episode went up and it's a it's a cracker. So if you haven't listened to it, I recommend going back and have listened to that first because it, it really kind of sets the scene for some of the topics that we get into in today's episode. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, we're we're just going to get straight in. We're going to start with a tune that he played and he referenced uh, before this in the previous episode about the influence of the McPeak family from Belfast and how he heard them in the fifties and sixties and what an influential a group they were and what an influential family they were in bringing Irish music and particularly the, the Yulin Pipes to a wider audience and so um, James played uh, the tune you're about to hear which is Lament for the Battle of Ochran and so that's what we're about to hear so here's James Keane Enjoy <laughs> Thank you. 
That's it. That's the lament for the Battle of Ockram. Learned, learned back from Francie and the boys, and uh, with much respect. So then, James, would you mind if we went to? I'm intrigued by New York in the seventies. Like it must have been wild. It was, yeah. What? What? So you you, you went back out. How long did you think you were going back out for? Well, I figured I'd give it a shot, but I I had no uh, uh, permanent plans in in my head. As, as I say, I was a bit wild, <laughs> and um, I uh, I didn't see further than the good time I was having today, you know. And yeah. uh, I didn't care uh, 
either. Mm-hmm. I, uh, what age were you? I was um, 19. I was 19. Bill Fuller had asked me. He came to me at the bar one night in the old shielding. I was sitting down having a quiet pint. I was off. It was a Monday night. And he came over to me. And Bill Fuller owned five or six dance halls in, in Ireland at the time. He owned a Chuck Furbo. He owned a, the, the old shielding hotel, the, the crystal ballroom, uh, all these places. And he had ballrooms all over America, in California, Chicago, Boston and New York. And he said to, he came to me at the bar that night, and I was very friendly with him. Fuller, Fuller and myself uh, put down many a, a good night to, together. I'll put it to you like that. And uh, he came to me that night. He says, do you have a visa? And I said, no, I don't I don't have a visa. I said, I've never been uh, out of the country except to Edinburgh one time. He says, um, I'll go, go down. He says, I want you to get a visa by Thursday, he says. Because he says, I want you on a flight on Thursday afternoon out to New York. I want you to follow a band over there. I know you'll be a help to them. And uh, so that's what that's the story now. And and he set me up. So um, I I sought I went after the visa, of course, and I got it. I got the picture and everything done and the passport are organized. And I was on the flight and um, I got a taxi from uh, Kennedy into uh, a place called the Woodward Hotel, commonly known as the Woodworm Hotel. <laughs> and um uh, a pretty much a, a dump on uh, uh, was located on 55th and Broadway and uh, he um, he put all his bands there in those days so when I got there and uh, uh, I, there was instructions uh, waiting for me to uh, go up the street on 55th Street to uh, a place called City Centre Ballroom and uh, I went in the doors and I had been instructed to take the lower, go head for the basement of the building. Uh, I went down, I was going down these beautiful, uh, stair, this beautiful staircase towards the basement and uh, I heard a fiddle and a flute. See, I didn't know who I was going out to join. I could have been going out to join a brass band. I, I didn't know, but I wasn't turning down the trip to New York. So on my way down the stairs, I uh, I heard the tuning going on. And when I got down to the ground floor, who was on the stage tuning their instruments except Joe Burke uh, from Galway, the, accordion, the great accordion player. His wife at the time, her name was um, Kathleen Collins. And Paddy Carty, the most amazing flute player out of, from East Galway, and a man that I had heard a hundred times on Radio Airden, but had never met, and uh, and other people that uh, I was going to be touring with. We were going to do the first weekend in New York, second weekend in State Ballroom in Boston, and the third weekend in Chicago in the Blarney Club in South Boston, uh, South South Chicago. And um, what a thrill! What an absolute thrill! So. Um, that was that's that was my introduction to New York, and of course when I played in in New York that night, all the Clare friends, friends of my father's and neighbours and everyone, they came out in the dozens 
to to cheer and to shout uh, when we played the reels and the whole carry on. And uh, I was so impressed by New York at that because we did we absolutely all week long before going to Boston, we literally did paint it a few different colours. Yeah. And uh, boys, they all took off work and everything, and they brought me everywhere. And we'd walk into a bar in the Bronx, and we'd say, "James, take out the box, right, right away," you know. And we still, I didn't care who, who was there. We was so we were into it immediately, and we did a bar hopping for the night and all that stuff, and more music and more music and more music. So I was so impressed with New York that I swore that if I ever got a chance to go back, I'd I'd take it. I jump at it, and it was the following uh, February, I believe it was, that I got the invitation to meet Toner and Gresham. Uh, sorry, sorry, who's Toner? Uh, Jerry Toner, yeah, and he he met me in the in uh, at re- by request at the in the dining room of the Gresham for lunch, and uh, he freaked me out actually because when at at the end of the uh, the lunch. He uh, he asked for the tab. He asked for the bill, and uh, he took out his wallet, and out of his wallet he took uh, this uh, card, and uh, it was an American Express card. But uh, I didn't know what it was, and he took out this card and he put it. He handed it on the tray to the to the waiter, and uh, he brought back the bill and he signed it, and no money changed hands. And uh, I said, by Jesus, I, I, I'm going to get my hands on one of these things at some stage. I, this is the right way to fly, you know. <laughs> but he, he impressed me anyway with uh, uh, the deal. Uh, would, it would uh, incorporate uh, uh, hospital coverage, you know, uh, health coverage in general. And uh, the wage uh, seemed like uh, a reasonable uh, wage, except... Uh, what I didn't appreciate uh, at that time was the extended hours, the unbelievable hours, and the crowds on the weekends, uh, and where we were located uh, with the with to have to play the music, was at the end of the staircase that led up to the men's room and, and the restaurant upstairs, and we were standing at the stairs at a low in a low ceiling, and uh, don't forget it was smoking time, in those years. And uh, I mean, it was like a, an exhaust going up the going up the stairs, oh, yeah. because they always left the window open on the top of the stairs, and uh, there we were, and uh, clouds of smoke mm-hmm. passing us for five hours a night. Um, so uh, many years later, uh, well, it was true smoking, but uh, uh, I I did get uh, throat cancer, and. Uh, uh, it was just a bit of a setback. We, uh, I d- dealt with it. Uh, one of the reasons I love where I'm playing, where I'm living at the moment, is I'm surrounded by uh, great hospitals. We have uh, uh, St. Francis Hospital here, and we have uh, the Long Island Jewish Hospital, and we have North Shore Hospital, all within 15-minute drives of of where I live right now, and I have put them all to use. Uh, since uh, retiring a few years ago with the the throat cancer with uh, I I have diabetes uh, type 1 diabetes which I'm insulin dependent and 
that that was what turned me off the full time work with the uh, with the music. But music played a role in 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 your therapy, right? Well, it, it, the the music played a part in the ter- in the therapy of my uh, my cancer. It did, yeah. Could you take how so? Yeah, well, uh, my son Brendan was here the, uh, one evening, and uh, it was before Christmas, and they let me know later in February that uh, the, uh, we were having a, a celebration dinner actually over the cancer. I had pretty well uh, beaten it, and uh, they, they they mentioned to me that that was the time that I looked my worst. I was uh, uh, my neck. I had uh, uh, radiation uh, treatments, and my neck uh, was in particularly uh, blazing red. And uh, okay. I, I looked, I looked for the worst uh, at that time. And Brendan was here that evening, and he was going back to his own place where he lives that l- later that evening. And he said to me, uh, "You know what, Dad?" He said, "I've been thinking." He says, "I'm going to get some sort of a, a little." movie camera, cine camera of some kind. And he said, I'll be back tomorrow. And he says, uh, put on a nice shirt now, I said, and uh, wash the hair and uh, I'll film you playing a couple of tunes in the kitchen or in the living room or wherever. And we look for different backdrops, you know, in in the house. And um, I'll start a site on YouTube and we'll call it Irish Music Therapy. So I thought that this is great. This is going to, uh, instead of sitting here every day, when I'd come home after my my radiation treatment and uh, maybe twirling my thumbs and uh, with the risk of uh, feeling sorry for myself or something, this would be great. Uh, here's let's let's uh, turn to the music, and uh, to occupy the time between treatments. So uh, he came out the following day, and we set up, and we he just videoed me, and I spoke about whatever I was going to play, and I played it, and we did another one, and we did another one, and I I think there's about I'm I, I about thirty two or three videos up now. And uh, I haven't done any lately, but um, the point is that it came, I turned to it, it was there. And I used something that I already had as a distraction. Uh, The whole thing was a distraction from what I was going through. I got a lot of queries and a lot of questions from people on the air, on the online, uh, about that. What's this Irish music therapy thing all about? And I'd explain to them, like, you know, it's, it's nothing major. It's it's uh, something that my son and I came up with. Uh, it's, no matter what, if you if you run into trouble, and I, most of the calls I was getting, inquiries I was getting were from uh, cancer victims, and I would explain to them that, look, if you did uh, stamp collecting as a little boy, maybe, or a little girl years ago, and you didn't do it all for the rest of your life, if you were sent for guitar lessons and you only picked up two chords, 
you're, if you're woodworking, if you tried your hand at woodworking, if you're going through treatments right now for cancer, turn back to any of those hobbies that you had, no matter what it was, and it's going to help you because it will distract you. And the word being, the big word being distraction. Uh, so for, for you, it was a, like, is, is meditation the right word? Like, is it, is it, is it, a, if it was it a, and is it a, a way of calming your mind and taking your mind completely, yeah. closing it down so you're not engaging with the, the negative thoughts? Yes, it, it was, it, it was a calmer, definitely. And um, I would, uh, I would go down into the basement where I had all stacks of old uh, cassette tapes and uh, bring them, drag them up here into the onto the living into this floor and uh, you know uh, freshen up the the old tape recorder and copy copy recorder i have and uh, go into them and find stuff that and and people talking about you know, old friends that have passed and stuff but great finds you know wonderful finds um you know, probably the only person interested would be myself, but uh, nonetheless, um, that's the only one that counts at the, in those times. It, it, that's uh, during those times of of that uh, troublesome time, uh, definitely. And were you doing any music before? Like, just so we can understand, like, what kind of how often were you playing? When you were when you were diagnosed in the lead up to um, getting treatment, to then when you decided that the the therapy was something you were gonna go kind of towards, how much were you playing? Yeah. Well, I I was I, I was in a nine to five job at that time. When I when I uh, finished with the barley corn and uh, they we we went actually to play in another uh, bar of theirs, Flanagan's on First Avenue, for a couple of years. I was then invited to um, join a group in uh, Canada. That was a big uh, head-scratcher, right? I, 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 you know, <laughs> yeah. Jesus, am I going to emigrate again? Like, you know, and um, uh, so, and we, we, this is why I refer back to knowing when you land, you know. So anyway, uh, I was beckoned and I, to- I took it up. I took up the offer. And we sold our house and we took off for Canada. The name of the group was Ryan's Fancy. And besides being the second best, most popular group in Canada, Irish group, they had just received a new contract with uh, CBC television for uh, 13 super special shows, which would show nationwide on Sunday nights, prime time. And uh, so the, the thing was sealed. It was uh, the money was excellent, and so I packed up the the boys and and Teresa and I had, uh, as I say, visited during the summer time up there looking for a place that we would move to when we'd eventually move up in December. And I I visited uh, this most beautiful area uh, just down the road from a land a landmark called Peggy's Cove. Uh, and Nova Scotia and it was called uh, the head of St. Margaret's Bay and uh, absolutely gorgeous 
When I was there in the summertime, there were nothing but yachts and boats and everything out in the bay. And it was a love. It was a splendid scene. Now, to tell you the truth. So, James, how did the how did your music career pan out there? Then that you decided you wanted to head back to the states. Well, no, uh, I hadn't even started it at that day. I was only landing. I, was, I, I, I had Aye. been I had been making trips every week, flying up to to uh, Toronto. Uh, sorry, flying up to uh, Montreal, and then waiting five hours for my connecting flight to uh, to Halifax. I was doing that most weekends, and um, uh, so I, I knew the score up there all right, and uh, so I was pretty happy with. Uh, the scene with the group, I was definitely going to uh, go for this deal. Aye. And uh, how was the music then over that period? And, and, and Well, then we, we, we had, uh, I made uh, uh, three or four different records with them and we proceeded to do television shows. And uh, we, um, it, it was a fairly um, prestige uh, group uh, as far as the gigs we got. They were all big gigs. Uh, we'd we would play for uh, we'd we'd uh, be on the uh, uh, the campaign, the re-election campaign for Pierre Trudeau and all that stuff. So, James, can I just stop you there for a second? I just um, you mentioned on the phone to me that at some point during this period you realised that this wasn't working out for you, and you wanted to head back to New York. Was that just about? Was that about the workload of being in the band or was it about being away from the family? No, uh, actually, without getting into it or I'll skim it, like um, I uh, I woke up one morning to uh, a situation where I, uh, and this was after doing very well, I uh, had purchased some properties and uh, all that. Everything was singing. Everything was lovely. And uh, I woke up one one particular morning and uh, to find that all my funds had been uh, uh, swiped and I was close to penniless. And um, uh, it was uh, thanks to to one of the members and one, uh, the accountant uh, in uh, Toronto, that uh, uh, put me in that position. Uh, It was highly illegal and uh, it was wrong. It was, uh, it made me... uh, it made me really. Uh, it taught me how to hate, uh, and it it um, I, it made me. I I left for New York. I was so disgusted, and uh, we lost all those properties. Everything everything went. Love was taken. Everything was taken. Did you ever manage to confront them? Um, I was invited back. Funny enough, a few years ago. Uh, by, um, I was invited back to Newfoundland for a concert to do a solo concert, and uh, 
uh, luckily enough, uh, wasn't it a great thing at the time, that uh, John Doyle, who was a dear, dear friend and has worked with me on several of my albums, um, John was up there helping some other people with an album at the same time. And uh, I asked John to do the concert with me. And it was uh, one for the books. It was thanks to, to John's help. He really, he, he really was, uh, was marvellous that night. And uh, we, uh, one of the members of the group, unfortunately, uh, Dermot O'Reilly, who was a member of the group, uh, Dublin Drimna, a neighbour of mine, uh, died uh, some years ago. And uh, I, I was... I, I regret he died. He he was a lovely guy and he was innocent of anything that happened to me. And uh, uh, also um, another Dublin man, Fergus O'Byrne, was part of the group also. And Fer- Fergus was straightforward also, but um, he, he took it on himself uh, at a party after... Uh, it was almost 40 years. It was 39 years since I had been in St. John's and I had left and I was so upset. And uh, he took it on himself that night at the party. Uh, they were thrown for me uh, to apologise. And uh, I, I halted him in the process because I wanted him to know what he was apologising to me for. And the stress of that whole thing uh, being reduced after 10 years, it set me back 10 years, imagine. Uh, And the stress that it caused me, caused, it froze my pancreas. It it caused me my diabetes, which later in life is responsible for causing my quintuple open heart bypass that I had three years ago and um, I uh, I learned a big lesson out of it and I'll, I'll, I'll try and hurry it up I'm, I know I'm, I'm, I, I might tend to drag it out a bit but take your time when 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 I when we moved here to uh, to Belrose and uh, I was lucky enough to get this uh, and and I had developed the diabetes, and uh, I had already de- developed the di- diabetes. Um, I um, I um, it, it was obvious to me out of trouble that I got into on the road. I got into comas. I had the notoriety of one night in uh, in Dallas. Uh, well, first off, it happened in uh, Atlanta. I was out for two hours. I was brought to the hospital in a coma, and uh, but uh, the, the two weeks later, I was playing at the uh, North Texas Festival in Dallas, and uh, I let the, the sugars go out of hand. I didn't know enough about it actually. I wasn't informed, and I uh, I was uh, I could I didn't understand high sugars from low sugars and amount of insulin to take her and I was on needles at the time and it was it was quite a, a harrowing time but um, I was mixing it also to have to uh, have to admit with uh, uh, beers a uh, few beers here and there and um, 
I, uh, I, I was playing at the time with a great man, uh, Sean O'Driscoll is his name. And I have to say on this whole network that it's a great opportunity for me to mention Sean O'Driscoll's name because when Sean and I went to Dallas that day to play, we were given our, uh, we were given separate rooms, and I went into coma in my room, and Sean missed me, and he said to the uh, to the uh, the maid in the corridor, "I'd like you to open that door." He says, uh, "I think there's something wrong with my friend in there." And she says, oh, I can't, you know, I can't open that. It's not. But he says, I'm, I, now I really want you to. I says, I'm telling you to. And he made a, he made a case out of it. And she opened the door for him. And uh, I was lying uh, with my head off the side of the bed wow. in, in, in a coma. And um, rather than, um, Sean was a much bigger man. I'm, I'm six foot four, but Sean was a huge man. <laughs> he was a great man to have on your side when, Something could get yeah. out of hand in a pub some night, you know. He, Jesus, you felt very secure, you know. And uh, uh, Sean was from Cork, and uh, you have to have one of those in every band. Oh, he, uh, necessary, very necessary, yeah. But uh, he uh, to to call to to quell any uh, suspicion of rumors or anything like that. He uh, he he caught me. He lifted me. And he brought me down to the freight to the freight elevator, and he brought me out through the back of the kitchen to a friend of his that had a four wheel uh, truck outside, and they brought me to the Parkland Hospital in Dallas, the exact same hospital, and the same slab. I was lucky enough to wake up later, seven hours later on the same slab that they brought John Kennedy to back in 63. And I was I was uh, luckier than John Kennedy. I actually came out of Tacoma with the, the nurses and the surgeons around me shouting, come on, James, come on, and they applauding and they uh, urging me out of, of this uh, terrific uh, coma I had slipped into. And... Um, they actually determined that my uh, uh, my heart had stopped I, in, in the middle of it, and they they, revi- they gave me two electrics, and if the if the second one hadn't worked, they told me that the third one wouldn't have counted. You know. So if it wasn't for Sean. So I came out of there. I came out of that hospital, and at twelve o'clock on that the following day, that that same day, really. You would have found me playing with Sean O'Driscoll on the stage at 12 noon <laughs> and, and at the North Texas Festival, belting out wow. reels and jigs. And uh, But then it was shortly after that, I, 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 I should say it was shortly after that I knew that uh, there were too many people that depended on me with, with the two boys and, and yeah. uh, Teresa and... Uh, they wanted me uh, alive yeah. rather than dead, so I had to put my th- thinking cap on and figure I needed a job first off with hospital coverage, and 
which I didn't have. And uh, that night in Dallas, they went through my wallet and they charged up every card I had in my wallet and to, to pay for my uh, my uh, visit. That's and, just uh, such a... And, and the help they gave me. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty uh, surprised at that. But uh, we... Um, I, I, I went uh, to... Uh, I, 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 as I say, that around that time we had just moved into Belrose, into this area, and uh, one morning after getting the job, I settled for. I stayed in it for twenty-seven years. Afterwards, I tried a few different jobs. I tried pile. I wasn't afraid of work by any means. I tried uh, pile driving. A, a Kerry man, friend of mine, got me into it into the carpenters' union, local fourteen fifty-six. And we went down and I was swinging sledges and everything over the East River and fell into it one day and uh, into the, where the Staten Island Ferry comes in. We were replacing the, the bumper for the Staten Island Ferry. And, but Jesus, the, the, ferry, the, the scaffold went and I went in and uh, no, sw- no swimming. And um, I didn't know how to swim and I lost my hammer and my tools and uh, I was able to hold on to the nylon rope that was holding it up and uh, only, only wet part of me. And uh, with all that stuff, and then I then I got in to uh, I uh, eventually I went to I got a job with um, a very probably the with the one percent who I I don't speak well of at all uh, uh, in general because I'm a, I'm a liberal um, I uh, the richest family in the world and uh, the Rothschilds and I got in. To them, into their investment bank business in uh, Rockefeller Center on the 51st floor and uh, in the administration. And uh, I didn't look back after that. And I was able to, uh, I was able to uh, take care of more, more, more bills and, uh, you know, and uh, to take care of. Uh, uh, everyone with the, the new health coverage and uh, right, and James you, you were doing was it was it sort of front of house kind of thing well it, it, that was part of it and uh, I was into the the area of uh, the, um, the 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 the, rest, the the restaurants of the they had their own chefs there and I was working with the with the restaurants and uh, and the, the conference rooms and um uh the the international uh, booking international uh, uh you know calls and all that stuff and uh, with the result i i met some lovely people i met Jackie Kennedy there i was very thrilled at that um i met um ah oh, who else did i meet i met a string of people there but they were very kind uh, to me um, and they found and they realized that I played music and they were they they like the area of culture and um, I was very friendly with Baron David the Rothschild and with uh, uh, Evelyn uh, the Rothschild and all them and but e- even though uh, there were worlds we were worlds apart as far as um, our, our uh, wealth or anything uh, they were always very nice to me. Uh, so, James, would you mind giving us another tune? And then I want to chat to you a wee bit about the O'Flaherty Irish Music Retreat. Okay. Let me see what I'll play for you. Um. <laughs> 
I'll play these um, three reels. Uh, the Stone in the Field, the Steeplechase, and the, excuse me, the Cool Father. The Cool Father is the third reel. And uh, here we go. I'll, I'll, I'll take off on these. Yeah. 
There you go. Do you remember when, do you remember the moment when America became home? Like that, that, that when you had to kind of... Yeah, uh, it, 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 it pretty well became home uh, when, when the, the boys showed up, the two sons. Yeah. That's when... That's and then when, what, uh, what did you feel about Ireland then? Like how, did that, not that it would change. I will always love Ireland and I will always be, I'll always feel a, a, a terrific pull to Ireland. As a matter of fact, during this period now, with this with all that's going on here, and unfortunately, uh, life uh, is changing in this city for the first time, uh, and it's not going in the right direction. And uh, I had, uh, I, we, we got a flash of, you know, Theresa being from uh, Kerry and uh, our love for, for uh, being uh, in Ireland. And it's always, uh, it's always a, a sad day when we, when we leave, even after the three weeks. But um, I, would, I would sincerely consider uh, going back to Ireland if I thought I would get as good medical coverage over there as I get here. And uh, I don't think it's available. I really don't. I'm wondering with the, uh, like, this is this is my personal experience. Since I would normally have gone back to Ireland once every two years, really, is when I could go back. And since the whole COVID thing is happening and there's no travel, like, the, for me, the pangs of wanting to go back have skyrocketed because I know I can't. Has, yeah. that, has that played on you at all? Well, I, I, I hadn't checked that part of it out, and I don't know where I'd stand with, with uh, support uh, benefits or uh, age uh, benefits or whatever, health benefits. Even just for a visit I'm talking about. Oh, just, for, for a visit, it's, it can be very expensive. Because uh, we're not going this year. Yeah. You're not going this year. Because you were going to go to Willie Clancy this year, weren't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's a religion now. I mean, I, I definitely... I, 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 when I, I was invited, I, I knew Willie very, very well. We could tell you, I could sit for another 20 hours talking about Willie to you. <laughs> um, I, I knew Willie very well, and it was, it was very sad when he died. But I, I hadn't been to the Willie Clancy Festival with all the years going back to Ireland, because we seem to be in Ireland at a different time, at a wrong, you know, other than the first week in the first two weeks or the first week in July. And we kept kept missing it. And uh, so I was invited back to the Willie to, to do a talk on Willie uh, uh, in 2012. And... Uh, it was a homecoming because I, I, I favoured that part of the world, Milton Malbay and all around there. And I, I had, I had, it was always part of my visit home down to Quilty and uh, up to Milltown and in hanging out with Jimmy Ward and Martin Talty and all these, uh, Joe Canin down in Quilty and all the... All the love, J.C. Talty, you know, and all these lovely, and all of them gentlemen uh, from, a ser- from an era that is gone. It's gone. Yeah. Not saying 
today's musicians aren't all gentlemen too they are but there was a terrible it was a fierce home uh, homeful uh, home uh, feel about these people and uh, we and Padre Lachlan you know um, my heart bleeds when I think of them like you know um, we uh, and I, I ever since 2002 uh, 2012 I haven't. We we've gone back every year, and um, Eamon McGivney and they're, they're, it's just they're they're wonderful people, and it's uh, and the other reason we go back to of course is to uh, refresh refresh the accents, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is always important. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, you're so, not doing too uh, bad. I'm holding on to it fairly good after fifty three years. Anyway, I'd say. Um. I wanted to ask you a bit about the O'Flaherty Irish Music Retreat, which happens um, every year in Texas. And this year it's online and you're being honoured this year. You're going to be the recipient of the Irish Artist in America Achievement Award. I'm, I, I, I'm so, I'm so uh, f- humbled by, by the whole thing. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's such a wonderful uh, recognition and a clap in the back uh i've been here in the country a long long time when you think about all the things that we've talked about in this conversation and you think about you know the decisions you make in your life and the places you end up and going to new york and then deciding to go to canada and it not working out and you coming back to new york and so on how do you feel about where you've landed now then the first time i came to new york I was. I had been playing out in the old Sheeling. Actually, uh, Paul Brady had been playing with me uh, in the Embankment and places, and we 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 were on the same shows together, and uh, that's when Paul and I kept, became very 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 good friends, along with uh, Mick Maloney. Uh, Paul and and Mick Maloney had a um, an apartment in Palmerstown Road. Paul was was playing in the embankment a lot in those days and I'd be on the same show. And one particular night, Joey Walsh didn't show up and uh, I, I was standing up to play and I turned to Paul. We, it, the show was done with everyone on stage and then you take your turn, you know. So I turned to Paul and uh, Paul had been doing... Um, bluegrass uh, style music uh, gave my love a cherry and those kind of songs you know so I turned to Paul and I said Paul would you give me a hand with, uh, back up on this and he said ah sure he says I don't know anything about back in Irish music he said I said give it a shot you're well able and um, it was only a few years ago while he, when he was getting the award for uh, a lifetime achievement award from the Irish National Concert Hall. I got a phone call. I answered the phone here one morning and it was uh, the secretary saying, uh, Paul would like to uh, you to be his guest on the show in the National Concert Hall in Dublin. Um, all expense, the whole thing. And, and Theresa was, in, uh, was included and... Uh, Five nights in beautiful hotel in Dublin, and we did the show. I uh, to, um, I was introduced to the uh, president of Ireland, uh, Mr. Higgins, that time, and he came into the he came backstage, and he 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 everyone had circled, to uh, in in hope that 
they'd get a chance of a, a picture with him, you know. Uh, and um, what did he do? Uh, it freaked me out. Uh, after all the years, he cr- he broke the circle, and he crossed the circle to where I was standing. He was coming close. It was head on for me. And I'm saying, Jesus, must be the guy beside me. And I, I'm looking around, you know. And uh, he came straight for me, had his hand out, and he shook my hand, and he says, Welcome home, James. He says, I was often in the embankment and plenty of other locations around Dublin in the 60s. He says, I was often in the, in the, in the audience when you'd be belting out the reels. And uh, I, I tell you, for a man that I had only seen on television addressing the United Nations and addressing big, big affairs and what he, what, how, he, how well he was able to do it and how well he was able to represent Ireland. And uh, I was so proud of him before I ever met him. And uh, let me tell you, that was a happening. That was a total happening for me. I, f- I totally, totally freaked out. I will forever and ever be grateful to Paul Brady for, uh, for, never, for, for never forgetting me. My mother would write to me years ago and she'd say, Paul was on the radio today. He was talking about you as being his source for Irish music. And that's how he introduced me that night on the National Concert Hall, he introduced me as the man that introduced me to Irish music. And um, and then, uh, the, uh, then uh, after we played two sets of tunes together, my brother Sean, who was a close friend of Paul's also, uh, walked out from one side of the stage. And uh, Matt Malloy, another close friend of Paul's and mine, and everyone's, of course, um, walked out from the other side and uh, we played, uh, the four of us played together on the, on the stage before intermission. And um, uh, that's, what, that, that's, when, that's, that's what counts. That's, that's the friendship. That's the music. It's the good times. It's the, the respect that you get for, for, for staying with the music throughout the years I could have turned to wedding band music a thousand times over and I'd be a very rich man today if I did but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say I'm very happy with my, with my lot and uh, I'm, advice I give to people uh, on, on outlook of, of life as often know when you've landed know when you've landed when you're happy, and you're as I am, and, and, and Theresa and myself just celebrated 50 years, married here, and we met here in New York. Uh, it's that, that's these are the things that count. Two great sons, um, lovely dog. You know, it's you're happy with your lot, and. Uh, not to be it's a hard thing to recognize yeah but you have to you have to know when you, when it happens it's it's when mm. you're striving you'll you'll a good time to look for it is when you're striving for a for a step up you, d- d- then that's a good time to say should i bother why not, what's wrong with what's wrong with what i have at the moment can i not be happy with what i have
Well, James, uh, could we be a, a bit selfish and ask you for one more set of tunes? Ah, no, no, I'm all out. I'm all out of tunes. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just wanted to very quickly. It should be a qu- it should be a quick question, James. If you've got a second, yeah. uh, you mentioned two thousand and twelve. There, yeah, was uh, when you were at the Willie. But it, it was that the last time. Was that the last album you put out in two thousand and twelve as well? Have you had an album since then? Oh, because I just wanted to find out. I always like to be able to send people to the correct places to 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 buy the artist's music yeah. where can people get your get it your might music? have been um, although I, I did a re uh, a re um, master of uh, with friends oh, like these right. yeah uh, with uh, with all my, with Liam Flynn and Matt Malloy and sh- and uh, Paddy Glacken and Kevin Kniff and uh, Tommy Peoples Lord rest him and uh, oh there was lovely stories I could have told you about Tommy Peoples too and all that so uh, till the next time I'm sure but uh, we'll, uh, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll play, I'll, I'll play out, play out with a, with a few reels. Um, what will I play? Uh, um, I'll play a, a tune called um, uh, Jimmy Giblins, and uh, I'll follow it with a tune called Throw It Across, and the third one is um, the humours of. Uh, of, of Tuma in uh, County Clare Church. James, thanks very much for taking the time to chat to us today. It's been Thanks really so brilliant. much, James. Thank, thanks Thank very you. much, fellas. It was great chatting with you. At least uh, I, I can say it was partly in uh, Australia at some stage. It'll, uh, my, it was nice visiting with you. Thank you. Oh, it's been raining all morning, so oh, <laughs> next time we'll, we'll make sure the weather's better. <laughs> All right, here, here's these three reels for you now. Thanks. Thank <laughs> you.
I had a really strong sense when we were coming towards the end of that interview of having, and I know we say this, I've said this in other conversations too, but a real sense of having been on a journey, you know? Completely. And knowing as well with this with this setup, I think because you had spent so much time on the phone with him, I'd spent a fair bit of time on the phone with him, knowing how many more stories there are. And he's just such a, he has such a lovely way of sharing. I could just, I could do it. I could do it every weekend now from now until forever. Just to keep getting the stories from him. Yeah. So thank you so much, James Keane. And thanks, Teresa. Yes. Um, thank you so much. And thanks to Kate O'Connell for doing that yeah. recording. Brilliant job. And James, as we mentioned last week, James is being honoured by the O'Flaherty Irish Music Retreat this year. He is the recipient of the Irish Artist in America Achievement Award for 2020. Yeah, well, we mentioned it last week. Just again, the O'Flaherty Retreat is online this year, which means anyone from anywhere in the world can get involved. If you've listened to any of our shows recently, you've heard us talking about it. So um, head over to their website at theoflahertyretreat.org to find out more about that if you're interested in getting classes with the greats like like um, James. Um, if you are heading off places, also in the show notes is a link to become a patron saint of this show we haven't really put the hard lean on you for a few weeks and just to remind you look thank you to the patrons that are over there and and chipping in each week you are the people that make this possible the prime example like there's no way we would have been able to send someone out to james's house to record him in that way if if we didn't have support from our listeners so thank you so much to the patrons that are over there i think that's really all is it Dom that is it yep thank you again to James Keane and we'll see you next week catch ya bye hi my name is Jack please become a good subscriber to the podcast thank you